SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. Welcome everybody back into another episode of the Underdog Dynasty Sun Belt Podcast. Uh, we are rolling forward uh, with our Sun Belt previews for the upcoming 2020 season. I am your host, Brian Stone, and uh, always with me, this is Matt Miguez, our Louisiana writer. Uh, Matt, say hello to the folks. How's it going, Sun Belt Nation? Brian, happy as always to join you, man. Absolutely. And and going from uh, the Sunbelt standings, we are talking about the Arkansas State Red Wolves today. Uh, Arkansas State, going back to last season, and, and we'll dive definitely into this as we kind of roll along, a little bit of an up and down campaign when you look at it on paper. Matt, what really jumped off the page for, for you when you go back and look at last season for Arkansas State? I mean, just the performance of Omar Bayless. I mean, any time – I don't care if you're Clemson, LSU, Alabama, or, you know, Arkansas State in the Sun Belt. If you have a receiver get nearly 1,700 yards and 17 touchdowns in a season, that's impressive. Yeah, I used to say this uh, back when we did uh, the Sunbelt podcast a few years ago for Underdog. Uh, I totally expected Omar Bayless to make a pro roster um, just because the numbers he were he was putting up, uh, even going back a couple years ago, were really eye-popping within the, uh, the division. But uh, the one thing, you know, when I went back and looked at their, their schedule from last year, the one thing that really surprised me was they really obliterated kind of the middle of the conference with the Sun Belt. The problems they ran into were the teams at both the top and the bottom of the conference was where the troubles really lied for them. Yeah, you know, we, we, we were talking before we we jumped into this episode. I mean, they lost to a 2-10 South Alabama team. So, you know, like like you said, you know, they kind of struggled with with the teams at the bottom of the conference, Georgia State put fifty-two on them. So just you know, little things like little things like that made you know really really broke their season down the stretch. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess it's I guess it's a good a time as any to kind of jump into their schedule from last year. Uh, you know, to start the season. Uh, four straight out of conference games. They went two and two. Uh, they lost games to Southern Methodist, uh, SMU, and uh, Georgia. Uh, you know, other those two teams put up a ton of points on Arkansas State with Georgia scoring 55. SMU was a winnable game, but they ended up uh, falling by seven uh, to the Mustangs. And then uh, two more out-of-conference games to start off the year, uh, wins over UNLV in a blowout fashion. Uh, and UNLV was a little bit of a – I don't want to say they were a fraud team last year, but they weren't very good. So, But, you know, anytime you're, you're sitting at 0-1 after the, the opening contest of the year, it's always good to get a win. And then after the loss to Georgia, went and uh, beat Southern Illinois by 13 points to start off the season 2-2. Two and two. Uh, what really jumped out when you looked at the first four games of their season and you kind of chunk it uh, four games at a time, Matt? You know, their their performance against Southern Methodist, all, although it'll, it being a losing effort, they they played very well against the Mustangs. And for, for a while, I kind of thought that Arkansas State would find a way to win that one. 
but yeah. you know, late late in the game, I, I don't remember exactly how it happened. I think it might have been a turnover. Uh, you know, kind of kind of sealed their fate in the in the loss column. But they played throughout that stretch of the game. They played very well. Yeah. So. Uh... You know, kind of breaking into uh, the season uh, as it stood, and we can, you know, like I said, jump more into this kind of as we roll along. But, you know, surprisingly, when you go back and look at last season, Logan Bonner was actually the one, you know, taking snaps under center uh, to start the season for the Red Wolves before Lane Hatcher, uh, I believe he was a transfer from Alabama. Uh, stepped in and and really solidified himself as a starter. I believe Lane Hatcher was too uh, was also a freshman just last year. So very impressive season out of him. Yeah, uh, any time that you can step in to a role that you weren't expecting to have and play play the way that he played, uh, you know, down the stretch, Lane Hatcher was incredibly impressive last season. So I actually uh, I saved this stat. I saw it a couple weeks ago. I thought it would be good for the uh, Arkansas State preview episode. Lane Hatcher graded out by F- Pro Football Focus as the second highest grade for a Group of Five quarterback last season, which I thought was incredibly impressive. Considering you know, like we said, he stepped in for Logan Bonner and eventually kind of took the starting role for himself. But Hatcher finished last year with just under 3,000 yards passing, 27 touchdowns, 10 picks. How how impressed were you by Lane Hatcher's uh, ability last year? And where do you think he kind of slots in when you look at pure quarterback play going into this year? You know, Brian, in my opinion, I think he was one of the top quarterbacks in the conference last year. And, you know, I, I say that him being, a, him being a true freshman, like you said, he threw for 2,946 yards, 27 touchdowns. He completed nearly 66% of his passes, uh, had a season passer rating of 167.9. And it just the, the way he kept his composure in, in a lot of games, because a lot of their games went down, a few of their games went down to the wire. And so just like the way he kept his composure down the stretch for a freshman was was something that I was I was impressed with. I think it says a lot about his coaching ability that uh, Blake Anderson, uh, the head coach of Arkansas State, uh, was able to cater his offense to two different quarterbacks and both of them were successful. You know, Logan Bonner, you know, made like limited starts for them last year. Uh, But Logan Bonner threw 10 touchdowns to just one pick. So, I mean, two quarterbacks came in combined for 37 touchdowns and 11 picks. You know, in a a high-volume pass offense like Arkansas State runs, you have to be happy with that considering, you know, the guy that you had projected as your starter week one didn't start the entire season. Right. And, I mean, I'm I'm looking at at Lane Hatcher's game log. You know, in the nine games – 10 games that he played last year, he threw for 300 or more yards five times. Yeah. And, and that's kind of why I asked you, I, I do think, I think from a pure passing perspective, obviously with the, the teams in the Sun Belt, you get a variety of different offenses, whether it be, you know, you guys uh, or Georgia Southern, I think from a pure passing ability, I think it's him and Zach Thomas are the two best overall passers in the conference. When you just look at it from, a passing perspective. 
we can agree to disagree on that one. <laughs> um, and, and and I'm not disagreeing on Lane Hatcher, but you know that that's more for for another day, I guess. Okay, so so continuing to do uh, four games at a time, looking back at Arkansas State's schedule last year, uh, a really entertaining game with Troy uh, that if you had the over, I mean, they couldn't have set the over high enough. Both of these teams kind of played a little bit of spotty defense last year. I, I mean, a 50 to 43 win, you know, you're not happy you're not overly thrilled with the effort on the defensive side of the ball, but anytime you can score 50 points in a game, you know, you've got to be happy with the way that the offense prevails in a game like that. Um, But moving along, you know, this is another chunk of the season. They went two and two, you know, they sandwiched the wins against Troy and Texas state with two back-to-back losses. They get to, they, they fall to Georgia state by a score of 52 to 38 again another spotty defensive performance two weeks in a row and then against you guys your defense really did uh hold them down score wise as you guys came along with a 17 point win you know looking at that game from the perspective of a louisiana fan what were you expecting going into that game and what did arkansas state really show you when you when you the two teams played i was nervous and i'm gonna tell you the reason that i was nervous is because you know, and I've said this. I said this when we did the Louisiana preview. Arkansas State makes me nervous, and they always have because of the rivalry game that we tend tend to have every time we play them. And you know, we we talk about you know how much of a solid passing team that Arkansas State is. We held them to three hundred yards passing, which you know sounds like a lot. But when you're a dominant passing offense, you know, 300 yards is pretty, you know, that that's kept under control from a from a defensive standpoint. And, uh, you know, I think our offense showed up really well that night, nearly 500 yards of offense, uh, 315 yards on the ground. So, yeah, like, like I said, I was I was nervous going into this game just because you never know what to expect playing a rival like Arkansas State. But uh, I thought we played really well, and you know Arkansas State didn't show up quite as I thought they would, and so we ended up walking away with a with a huge W. Yeah, Arkansas State for me when I watch them play, they kind of fall, in, especially last year, fell into that same tier as like Troy, where you just didn't know on a weekly basis what they were going to give you, and so when their offense was humming, it was humming. You know, there was almost nothing, you know, teams it felt like could do to stop them. And then when you, you know, you have a game, like I said, like Georgia State, they play Louisiana, their their offense was good. Their defense just let them down was essentially what happened, you know. So looking back at last season, uh, Arkansas State as an offense averaged 33.7 points per game. Uh, that was good for 26th in the country. Defensively was what really hurt them. They were allowing 34 points a game to opponents. They were 114th last year out of 130 FBS teams on defense. Jesus. Yeah, that's... Uh... And it's really a shame because, like I said, their offense is, is fantastic. I mean, the defense just needs to to step up and support the offense. Well, you know, like like we were talking about off the air, they lost a majority of them to graduation, so their defense might have a huge turnaround this year. Who knows? 
Who knows? Uh, so, so chugging along here, uh, they took care of business uh, to close out that four-game chunk that I had just mentioned against Texas State. Uh, nothing really notable. I mean, 38-14, to 14, good win. Defense showed up, held Texas State to just two touchdowns. So got to be happy with a win like that. Uh, and then looking forward at the, ne- the last four-game chunk of the season before we jump into the bowl game here, uh, another shootout, this time against ULM. They win 48-41. Uh, and, and a really impressive performance here uh, through these three-game stretches. You know, to go 3-1 and one to end the season after having some spotty defense have played up to that point, you know, you've got to kind of be happy with the fact that, you know, you were able to win conference games against Louisiana Monroe, Coastal Carolina, and Georgia Southern. Yeah, no, no question. And, you know, I, I think a huge chunk of, of this game can, can be – given to Marcel Murray, uh, you know, their their freak running back from last season. He ran for 165 yards against us. Uh, I don't quite remember what his stat line was against Texas State. But then, you know, we're talking about this game against ULM. He ran for 175 yards and three touchdowns. Yeah, like that's, that's absolutely just, fantastic. That's just a ridiculous performance. Um, yeah. No matter no matter who you're playing against, so yeah, I, I think I think a large chunk of this stretch can be put in the hands of Marcel Murray and Lane Hatcher. Yeah, absolutely. So you know the final game of the regular season, uh, we kind of touched on this earlier. It was not one to be thrilled about, clearly. But South Alabama, uh, you know, invites Arkansas State to Mobile. Uh, hands hands Arkansas State a 34 to 30 loss. I think what really jumped out from the box score of this game for me is, you know, we we've talked about on and off how Arkansas State's defense was inconsistent at best. I think last year is is a good way to put it. Um, but what really surprised me was South Alabama's one big knock. It was they they couldn't really nail down the quarterback position, but. Desmond Trotter, the the quarterback for South Alabama, just absolutely torched them for four touchdowns uh, through the air, which is the big big reason South Alabama was able to win their second and final game of the year. Yeah, you know he he threw for two hundred eighty yards, four touchdowns, only one interception on twenty of thirty one passing, and you know somebody that really didn't get talked about because of the team's poor performance. It was Trey Minter. Uh, you know he had he still had a a pretty solid season. He ran for 106 yards against Arkansas State, and then Jalen Tolbert was their big receiver that Trotter loved to throw to in this game. Five catches for 144 yards and all four of those touchdowns. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so looking at the final game of the year, the bowl game, uh, you know, Arkansas State faced off with Florida International uh, and was able to pull away uh, for a win there. Arkansas State's uh, Lane Hatcher threw for 393 and four touchdowns. The guy that you mentioned off the top of the show, Omar Bayless, went out, uh, finished his college career with a bang, nine catches, 180 and a score. You know, I, I guess now's as good a time to talk about it as any. How much do you think that losing Omar Bayless is going to hurt this team offensively, if if at all, this year? Oh, it's crucial. That, that That's going to be detrimental to this offense. And I'm going to tell you why. I'm looking at his game log from last season also. And let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, 
eight games, if you count the bowl game, that he had 100 yards receiving or more. Yeah, that's that's eight insane. games that a receiver in the Sun Belt Conference had 100 yards or more. One of the games against Troy, he had 10 catches for 213. Yeah. Like, just and, and, the, the, the way that he could produce and the things that he could do, because, man, he would, he would catch – he could catch short passes. He could beat you deep down the field. I mean, there there was a couple of times last season where he was throwing passes. Yeah. I mean, there, there, isn't, there isn't much that Omar Bayless can't do, and I think – that you know Joe Brady and the Carolina Panthers noticed that and I think he's going to have a hell of an NFL career yeah um so I I think the one thing and you know depending on who you're a fan of this may come off a little bit hot takey but I do think Omar Bayless last year was unquestionably the top receiver in the conference I think when you look at his ability plus the volume that he was given uh, through the air, you know, you kind of mentioned it off the top of the show, but 1,600 yards, 17 touchdowns, that is just an in- insane amount of volume to get to those numbers. And Arkansas State likes to throw the rock, clearly. But, I, I mean, credit where credit's due, he, I, I do think he was unquestionably the best wide receiver in the conference last year. Oh, this, you might call this a hot take as well. I, in my opinion, he was unquestionably the best receiver in the country. That's a little bit of a hot take, yeah. <laughs> I think he was the best receiver in the country. I think the only reason he doesn't win the Bolitnikoff last year is because he plays for Arkansas State. That that could definitely have something to do with it. Uh, you know, they probably do take into, uh, you know, questions about competition a lot when they're making decisions on that. And, and when you look at, you know, players last year and, and especially guys that went in the first round of the NFL draft, it's really tough from a voter perspective to give uh, someone like Bayless that award over someone who was really a darling of, of both draft analysts and college football fans like like a Jerry Judy or like a C.D. Lamb. So, I mean, numbers wise, it, it would have been an insanely tough to top what Omar Bayless did. Yeah, and you know, I, I say that it'd be insanely tough to top what Omar Bayless did. I look at Jamar Chase's numbers, who won the bullet in the golf. He went for seventeen eighty and twenty touchdowns. However, I don't know if that's counting the playoff. Um, that could very well be counting the playoff, which the award had already been given out at that point. But yeah. um I mean Jamar Chase averaged twenty one yards a catch last year. And and that brings in, you know, the like I said, the question of level of competition. Like when you're looking in a in a vacuum between these two receivers, you know, it's close uh, numbers wise. But if you're a voter, I mean, I hate to say it because I'm clearly the fan of a, a group of five team. It's it's hard not to give it to a wide receiver on an undefeated LSU team that ran the table in the SEC and won the national championship. Well, right, because we're the little brother. Yeah. I it's mean, wh- whether whether you love to to admit it or you hate it, we're the little brother, and we're always going to be the little brother. Yeah, and and the little brother never gets the good stuff. You get the hand me down. <laughs> that's that's true for sure. Uh, so, kind of transitioning into this season, a lot of losses, uh, kind of on both sides of the ball for this Arkansas State team. Uh, you know, we've talked about Bayless uh, a lot. Uh, but they also lost their second receiver, Kirk Merritt, on, on offense to graduation. Um, and 
with that said, with guys like Bayless and Merritt uh, leaving for graduation, what are you? What are your expectations for their offense this year? What do you kind of project them to look like? Because Lane Hatcher obviously clearly is still a talented quarterback, but you know when you take those two level of weapons away, they're kind of going to have to start back from scratch a little bit. Yeah, you know, anytime you lose, especially a guy like Omar Bayless, like we've been talking about, had you know nearly seventeen hundred yards, and then Kirk Merritt was behind him with I think it was close to 800, 900. Anytime you have two guys go for 2,700 yards of your offense, that's definitely going to be ridiculous to to replace. But, you know, you got guys like Jawan, Javon, hey, Javon Hawes, six-foot wide receiver out of Atlanta. Um, you've, got some, you've got some veterans on this team, you know, a couple redshirt juniors, a couple redshirt seniors. Uh, you know, there's definitely some guys that I think can step up, make a difference. Jonathan Adams, Jr., he was their second leading receiver last year. He returns, uh, so I think he he'll you know take the the majority of the offense uh, from a from a throwing standpoint. Seth Hayes is a redshirt freshman that that I've read a lot about. Six four, one ninety five. He'll be a he'll be a threat for for their offense for sure. But like like I said, you know you you lose a guy like Omar Bayless and Kirk Merritt. It's not easy to replace. But I think they've got some guys that can that can quickly step into the position and and help out any way they can. Yeah, so I I do think a a big thing uh, is that Marcel Murray is returning uh, to help, you know, Lane Hatcher back there in the backfield. It'll be a little interesting to see if, you know, if they don't have the same level of weapons that they did last year through the passing game. It'll be interesting to see how much Blake Anderson caters the, to the strengths of this team, because just looking at it on paper, it looks like they might want to go to a little bit more ball control. Um, but, you know, again, when you have a quarterback like Lane Hatcher, you're really interested to see what his development looks like and, and his decision-making. So who knows? They might just take the absolute, uh, handcuffs off of him and just let him sling the rock as much as he wants. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, you know, L- Logan Bonner obviously has the the experience um, over Hatcher with Bonner being a, a redshirt junior, but with the way Hatcher performed in, in Bonner's absence, if I'm Blake Anderson, Hat- Hatcher's getting the keys to the offense this year. And just because he, he proved himself worthy – to be in that role last year with the, with the way that he performed in some big moments. So I think I would go to I would go to Lane Hatcher and say, "Look, you know, you earned it. The offense is yours." And just see what comes of it. So I have a question for you and this this also relates to another group of 5 quarterback, albeit it's in a different conference, but it's kind of a hard question to answer. Do you almost feel like it's a little unfair to say, you know, when you look at these quarterbacks like Hatcher and the other quarterback that I was talking about who graded out as one of the best group of five quarterbacks last year was Shane Bouchelle at uh, Southern Methodist SMU. Do you almost feel like it's a little unfair that these guys come from these big colleges like, you know, Bouchelle played at Texas. Uh, Hatcher was was on the Alabama roster at one point. Do you almost feel like it's a little unfair to the rest of the quarterbacks in the conference that they're that tier of recruit and then they get to come play in the Sun Belt or a group of five conference and just tear it up? Yes and no. Um, I, I, I say yes because they get to learn from, you know, 
Lane, Lane Hatcher learned from guys like Tua Tagovailoa and Jalen Hurts. Shane Bouchelle learned from a guy like Sam Ellinger. So, yes, in that regard, but at the same time, no, because they never got on the field for those programs. And, you know, as much as we trust the the star rating system coming out of high school, there have been numerous occasions where a five-star has just not panned out. And then a two-star, perfect example last year, Justin Jefferson for LSU was a two-star recruit out of high school. And he yeah. shined last year for, I want to say, 17 touchdowns. Like, yeah. So, I mean, the, the star rating system isn't always completely accurate. So, in, in that regard, I would say, yes, it's unfair, but at the same time, not really. Okay. Uh, so, uh, trans transitioning to the defensive side of the ball for Arkansas State, I've got a I've got a list here of players that they have lost to either graduation or transfer. Um, I think the biggest one off the top is their pass rusher William Bradley King. Uh, he left as a grad transfer and is now playing his final season of collegiate ball at Baylor uh, for this season, and. He led the team last season with eight and a half sacks, and I believe it was 13 and a half tackles for a loss. So before we kind of start talking about the back end of the defense, how big of a loss uh, do you think this is going to be for the Red Wolves? Absolutely. I mean, Bradley King was a guy last year that, that struck the fear into a lot of opposing quarterbacks as well as um, – as well as a bunch of, you know, receivers and tight ends and whatever else. I think he's a guy that really, you know, just performed well every year that he was a part of Arkansas State. And I think for Dave Aranda and, you know, Louisiana's former defensive coordinator, Ron Roberts, who's now the defensive coordinator at Baylor, I think that William Bradley King is going to be an amazing addition for them. And I think it's going to hurt Arkansas State exponentially. Yeah, it's tough to take a pass rusher like that off of your team, especially when you know, you know, it's a little bit of the thing with the grad transfer deal is, you know, it's always tough to watch your guys leave to just go play one season somewhere else just to continue their college career. But we'll have to uh, keep an eye on how much that affects their defense. Uh, Like we said, you know, clearly their defense wasn't uh, the best in the conference by any stretch because they were allowing a lot of points. But I want to read off a list uh, of players that have left or played their last season uh, last year for Arkansas State. And you tell me how much uh, these losses hurt. So in no particular order, uh, their second leading sack artist uh, was Kevin Thurman. He played his last season at Arkansas State last year had four and a half sacks. But here's a list of players that I found that were in the secondary alone that are no longer on the team for one reason or another. Darian Jackson, BJ Edmonds, Logan Westcott, Jeremy Smith. You know, we've touched on this a number of times. Their pass defense was not great last year, but how much do you think those losses might hurt their pass defense? Or do you even think they might help? You know, I think it could help because here – the the thing is is like you said their passing their passing defense wasn't that great last year so now you kind of give the younger guys who were made who were maybe on the sidelines last year give them a chance to prove themselves 
I mean, the the thing is, is if their pass their passing defense was as bad as it was last year, you don't really have anything to lose. You can't right. get much worse than what you were last year, right? So, so the the thing really quickly, uh, looking at their stats here, Jackson, Edmonds, and Westcott were the three leading tacklers in total tackles last year for this defense too. Yeah. So. I was, I was about to say I I enjoyed watching Westcott play against us last year. I thought that he was a uh, he was a talented guy in the secondary. So you almost have to wonder with your secondary being you know the three leading tacklers on their team. You almost wonder if you upgrade in the coverage department while taking a little bit out from things like run support or just making tackles in the open field. But you know we'll have to see how their defense looks. Yeah, and you know, I, I think that aspect comes down to maybe, you know, scouting reports. I think you look at the schedule, see what type of offenses you're going to be playing against, and kind of make that decision, you know, based upon what your schedule is looking like. Because, you know, if you're going to play out of your, you know, possible twelve game schedule, if you're going to play nine pass heavy offenses, you know, I I would stick to upgrading the secondary and maybe not so much care about run support. But, you know, in the Sun Belt, there's not really many pass-heavy teams. So I think, you know, as as much as it seemed to hurt Arkansas State last year, I think you need to kind of stick with the with the plan that you had last year. Stick to your run support and get you a guy to replace somebody like William Bradley King who had eight and a half sacks last year and, you know, stick to stick to what you know. Yeah. For sure. Uh, so you mentioned it a little bit. So now is as good a time as any to kind of break into their schedule. You know, looking at their schedule on paper, they really kind of shot the moon here. And what I mean by that is they're one of the few Sunbelt teams that hasn't had a game canceled. Really? Yeah, because they're out of conference games are Memphis, Kansas State, who's in the Big 12 and has, has said that they're moving forward with fall football. You know, Central Arkansas, which... That might have been that might have actually been a makeup game. I, I I'd have to check. I think they dropped yeah, they, a game they against just added that one. Yeah, they dropped a game against Howard, which was an HBCU. So so right. you know strike that from the record. They did lose one game, but uh, and then Tulsa, uh, they're playing as well before they get into Sunbelt play. So I mean, outside of one out of conference game against an HBCU, it seems like their schedule is mostly untouched. That's that's quite impressive. Um. You know, we're, we're looking to fill three games. So anybody listening knows a athletic director, I can put you in touch with ours and we can, you know, fill some gaps in our schedule. But, uh, yeah, you know, if you only lose one game on your schedule and then find a fairly quick replacement and an, an, an in-state game and that with a team like Central Arkansas, that's pretty impressive. And Central Arkansas, at their level of play, is, is are no slouches as far as as far as they go. So, you know, looking at these teams uh, that they get out of just the out of conference slate, since they they're going four in a row out of conference to start the season, let's kind of take a look at those. I I think Memphis is going to be a problem for them because oh, Memphis is going to be a problem for everybody. Yeah, I mean, I mean they, they were the top G five team last year. Yeah, I mean, they, they did lose Antonio Gibson, who was their big Swiss Army Knife player, uh, but they seem to kind of just replace those guys every year. You know, Tony Pollard was there at one point, and Darrell Henderson was there at one point, and they kind of just 
keep on trucking finding these guys so but you know after that they get kansas state like we mentioned central arkansas on september 19th and then tulsa what are what is your projection for their first four games i think i'm looking at about a two and two uh start to their season i was gonna say two and two maybe three and one um because you know kansas state albeit they're in the big 12 their football team hasn't been stellar the last couple of years. Um, so, you know, I think, I think if the Red Wolves can, can fix the issues on defense and keep trucking on offense, I think that's a game that, that Arkansas State can win. And then Central Arkansas and Tulsa, I think both of those games are, are very winnable for the Red Wolves. Yeah, I think just by virtue of, of Kansas State being a, a Big 12 school, I, I kind of see them dropping the first two games of their season to Memphis and Kansas State. Um, but I do I do see them beating both Central Arkansas and Tulsa. So that's so then, that's kind of where I'm at. So, so Brian, I want to ask you, you know, you, you, you brought out, you basically said that since they're a Big 12 team, Arkansas State isn't going to win. Um, you know, totally unrelated. Louisiana just put Iowa State on their schedule. Do you think yeah. that, do you think that Louisiana has a chance to go to Ames and get it done? See, I, the way that I look at it, and and Kansas State's always has been this way for as long as I can remember under under Bill Snyder and even under their their head coach. Now, they Kansas State's very ball controlled, and they limit the amount of possessions you get uh, offensively. So that's one of the reasons why I don't see because Arkansas State, if they don't take the next step defensively, they're not going to get the ball back like a lot of times against Kansas state. So that's kind of where my head's at there. The The problem with a team like Iowa state is, well, for one, I don't keep up with them. So that's, that's, well, one thing. that's valid. Uh, but two, they're, they're the weird type of team where they'll come out and beat like Oklahoma one week. And then the next week they'll go play Kansas and lose by two touchdowns and get, and get thrashed. Right. Yeah. So you just have, you never have any handle on what Iowa state's team is like. So, I mean, I think that's a winnable game for you guys. I think if Kansas State doesn't – historically, they don't open up the offense, so there's a lot of just running the football, read option, you know, uh, bubble screens, things like that. If if they're limiting the amount of possessions Arkansas State gets, I, I just don't know that Arkansas State's defense is going to get them the ball back enough to, to make up for that. So, um, But looking at their Sunbelt slate, uh, they do get – uh, a, a really deadly, actually, trifecta here in the middle of the, the slate. But they start off with Coastal and Georgia State. Georgia State, like we said, did give them some issues last year uh, and, and beat the Red Wolves. But the the, sl- the stretch that I'm really looking at and I think is going to tell you a lot about how Arkansas State's team is next year or this year, they go at App uh, October 24th. They play against Troy uh, on Halloween and then they face off against uh, Louisiana, you guys, on November 5th. So, I, I mean, we'll just have to see, like, what kind of team, you know, they put together. Long um, loss, big loss. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's going to be tough. Um, you know, that's that's three really tough games to go on the road for two of them. Yeah, no, no question, especially, you know – I, I would have rather maybe the Troy game being on one of the road games, but having to be on the road in Boone and then coming here to Lafayette, yeah, that does not bode well for for Blake Anderson and company. 
Well, I think the big thing is, and I think, you know, this team could, could win a fair amount of games. I think what the difference between last year and this year is, is they have to close out the teams that are historically at the bottom of the bottom of the conference. You know, they, they can't drop games to, to teams like coastal and Georgia state. And, and you can't even lose games to South Alabama and Texas state. You know, they, they face those two to end the season, but I mean, essentially the name of the game for Arkansas state this year is they're going to have to handle their business from the middle to the bottom of the conference in order to, you know, make a run at the West at the very least. Yeah, for sure. Like, like you said, you know, the, those games down the stretch with ULM, Texas state and South Al, those are games that you really can't afford to drop. And then even at the beginning of the conference, your first two conference games, Coastal and Georgia State. Georgia State you might have some trouble with, but a game like Coastal, you know, that that's just – with Coastal's history in in terms of football in the Sun Belt, that's a game that a team like Arkansas State just can't lose. Yeah, Coastal has really been an up-and-down team uh, since they've gotten into the conference. They've come away with a few signature wins that I was really surprised about. Um, but they've, they're another team that has just struggled to kind of string together any consistency. Us in 2018? Yeah, that'll do it too. With, with um, one, of, one of their signature wins? Yeah, and, and uh, you know, it, we'll get into them during their preview, but they've been a strange team from top to bottom the entire time they've been in the conference. Um, but, yeah, looking at this entire slate, what is your forecast for this season's Arkansas State uh, schedule? What would you put their record at looking at it as it stands today? Seven and five. Yeah, I feel seven and five, too. If they if they get a full twelve game season, I would say seven and five. You know, I I think I would even go as far to say eight and four. Um, I think they could beat Troy, uh, but yeah, I don't okay. see them. Yeah. I don't see. I they, they get it, Troy at home. You know, I don't see them beating App for uh, the Cajuns, but I think they, like I said, they lose the two from the jump, uh, and then they win out until they have to face App. I think they lose the games to App and App and Louisiana, but I yeah. think they're eight and four. Yeah, that, I think I think that's a that could be a fair assessment because yeah, again, you know, talking about Arkansas State being one of those teams that's kind of consistently inconsistent. Troy's the same way. Uh, you, yep. you never really know what to expect out of them. I mean, this is the same program that just three years ago walked into the toughest stadium in the country and won a game. Yeah, it's a, it's a strange situation with everything going on uh, with with some of these Sun Belt teams. It's really hard to get a handle on what kind of teams they are. But um, but wrapping up here, you know, we've kind of given our predictions for the upcoming Arkansas State season. Is there anything that you want to touch on before we get out of here and let the folks know where they can find you on Twitter? Yeah, not really on the. Uh... On anything to add, you know, we kind of brushed over everything that that I wanted to talk about. You guys can find me on all social media channels at Miguez Matt. Yeah, and I can be found on Twitter and Instagram, I believe, at the same handle, which is at Watch the Stone. Uh, next week, we will get back into the eastern part of the Sun Belt, and we are going to talk about the Georgia State Panthers. Oh, that'll be fun for you. Bum bum bum. That so, would be fun. 
So we'll have to see uh, how I'm feeling that day. It might depend on, on the outlook that I give them for the 2020 season. But uh, again, this has been another episode of the Underdog Dynasty Sunbelt Podcast. Podcast.